Welcome to the Surviving Life Podcast, where everyday people share their stories of inspiration and hope through their challenges. This will be a reminder to you that there is always hope when you feel hopeless. There's always light when you feel surrounded by dark. And there is always a way to live in your life instead of exist in it. We are all survivors of this life. And this podcast is meant to inspire you to go out and live your best life. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the newest episode of Surviving Life. I am so excited to be here today to talk to my new friend, Kim Welsh. Walsh, sorry. Uh, she is the CEO and founder of Warrior Forward Wellness. Um, I'm really, really excited that she's going to be here today, just chatting a little bit beforehand. Um, we got to talk about all my favorite things, which are health and fitness and thyroid and brain and food and all the good stuff. And so um, we're going to talk a little bit about kind of starting over again, thriving in that second act. And she's going to give us a little bit of uh, background as to how her journey has gone and and how she's definitely taken more from these struggles um, than they've taken from her. So welcome to the show, Kim. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I love that. You've taken more from the struggles than they've taken. That's so great. For sure. I feel like we have to because we can't avoid problem, right? We cannot avoid struggle. And we have to learn to take something from it. So then it's not, we're not giving it all of our power. And I think in all the struggles that I have gone through myself and probably you as well, like we would make ourselves crazy if we just dwelled on the fact that this stuff happened. Um, But we can certainly grow and learn and, and be a different version of ourselves or an upgraded version of ourselves um, based on our new knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I know. I love this. So tell us a little bit about, um, what happened to get you to warrior forward wellness? Where did that come from? Um, just give us a little bit of that backstory that we were talking about just a few minutes ago. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, you know, grew up in Midwest Ohio, um, it's like way back. Um, (laughs) and went to college. I was a music major. Um, you know, did all the things like you check off all the boxes in the right row and all of the things got married. Um, very young though, looking back, I mean, of course we all think we know it all at, at 24, but, <laughs> um, got married, had a baby, like all the things. And then shortly after my daughter was born, I was diagnosed with, um, uh, thyroid disease. Um, which is, it plays a big part in the big picture. But at the time I was like, cool, whatever, you know, it's yeah. just like, Ugh, whatever, just because at that <laughs> same time, there was like so much else going on in my life. Um, I had a newborn very shortly after that separated and got divorced, um, was living in a state that I had no family. My, my ex-husband was military. So, you know, there was that. And, um, I just sort of went down this, road of hard times, you know, um, what I call them bath mat moments where it's just like, you know, struggle after struggle after struggle. And I can, it got to a point where, you know, I had to kind of, I felt really empowered to embrace this like misindependent woman. I was like, I don't, I'm not going back to Ohio. Um, I'm not going home and I'm going to stay here. I'm going to handle it. And I'm going to, work and do what I need to do and take care of my daughter and, you know, for everybody. Um, and I had a lot of support, like physiologically and emotionally, but I didn't, you know, you just, I was still living in a state completely by myself with a toddler. So I'm working multiple jobs and just kind of fell into that hustle culture of like, I got it, you know, I got to make this work. I have to take care of my daughter. I wasn't getting any support from my ex-husband at the time. Um, it's still, they do not have a relationship. So he's completely out of the picture. Um, so I was just dealing with a lot in a very early and impressionable stage of my adult life, which was my mid to late twenties. And, um, I remember, uh, kind of, kind of hitting this rock bottom and, you know, was 
struggling with how I felt about myself physically. I had gained some weight. I, I'm probably not doing my best of using coping skills. You know, I was eating and working two jobs, sometimes three, just living off of coffee, caffeine, and wine. And, um, <laughs> And then, uh, you know, I was complaining to my mom and she said, well, you're just going through a hard time. And I said, I've been going through a hard time for almost 10 years. <laughs> like, when, when does the hard time, you know, take a break? Um, when do we turn a corner? And I said, I just feel like I'm on a hamster wheel and I just cannot get off. Like, I'm just working so hard. I had nothing to show for it. I was still living paycheck to paycheck. I was still broke. I was still single. Even if I was dating, they were clearly the wrong people. Um, I was trying to be very protective of my daughter and trying to advance in my career, but I literally was getting nowhere. And I said, I just can't get off this hamster wheel. And, and somebody just looked at me and said, well, I said that I just feel like I'm on a hamster wheel. And, and someone looked at me and said, well, then just get off, like get off the hamster wheel. And I was like, well, holy (laughs) shit. Why didn't I think of that? You know? And, um, And so I just really, that was it. I was like, I have to start doing things differently. Like I cannot continue to keep living this grind. I'm missing out on my daughter's childhood. I'm missing out on life. This is not the life I want for myself. I wasn't um, miserable, but I was not happy. Um, You know, I can look back at photos and I'm like, I don't know what was going on there. Like big old smile and all the things, but my soul wasn't happy. I was not planning the life that I wanted. And somebody said to me, um, but you should be so proud of it. Like you're such an inspiration to so many people because you're such a survivor. And I was so pissed at that. I mean, instantaneously, I was like, I don't want to be, I am not a survivor. Like survivors are just barely getting through. And I think honestly, I always feel a little bit of guilt saying that or shame because of like some people are really trying to survive. They're surviving from illness and, yeah. and trauma and, you know, all of these really hard seasons. Um, but I, and I think as I evolved, it's, I didn't want to stay there. I didn't want to just survive for the rest of my life. I didn't want to be on my deathbed 50 years from now or whenever it's time. And it was like, well, at least I survived. Like even, even when the end is near, I wanted to feel like I, I gave it my all, you know? And I said, I don't, I'm not a survivor. I'm a warrior. And, um, and it kind of stuck. And this was before the business ever came through. Um, but it just kind of stuck because I just had this mentality that even warriors, when they go into battle, despite whatever the outcome is, they're fulfilling their purpose in life. Mm-hmm. They, it, whether they die, whether they win the battle, whether they lose the battle, whether they have to go back for round two or three, that's their purpose. They are moving forward in some capacity. And I just felt like that, that needed to be me. And I needed to figure out a way to move forward um, no matter what it took. So I really had to develop, I became over time, the coach that I needed and that I wanted in my life. Yeah which is now the business that I run. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And I love the way you framed that survivor piece and, and kind of took it to like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be this sob story. I don't want to be, um, even when I call myself a survivor, I call myself a survivor of cancer or a survivor of whatever, but I don't really like live in that space. Like I, I, I know totally what you're saying. Um, where it's more like that's, that's a part of who I am, but that's not all of who I am. Exactly. Um, It's not your identity. It doesn't define you. And it certainly doesn't define your future. It just is a a season that you went through. Right. Um, Right. And you can choose to like, like, I know a lot of people that use that and they're like, it makes me feel strong to feel like I've survived something hard and all that. And that's totally fine. And, and to each their own in, in any, in any right. But I love the warrior piece of it because you're right. Like warriors go into battle and they're like, all right, let's do this. You know, like regardless of the outcome, we're going to go, we're going to face it head on and we're just going to go see what happens, you know, and, and go fight for your life, so to speak. Yeah. And I feel like you're, even if you're not getting where you're going, um, there's always an opportunity to reassess and learn. Like I, I always tell people I live by the arrow method in life where like, you still have to pull back sometimes 
and like reassess your target and kind of take aim all over again before you can let an arrow go for it to go forward. So it's sort of this, you know, you're not starting over, you're just starting again, you're learning and you're starting again so that you can continue forward. It's just a process instead of a cycle. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. We are all survivors of something, but it doesn't completely, um, it doesn't complete your personal narrative. Like it doesn't have to be your end all be all story. Right. And I kind of look at life. I feel like as this collection of all these crazy events of, you know, the things that have happened, maybe they're good. Maybe they're not so good. It feels like the ones that stick out are the not so good ones that were really hard. And, and those are the ones that, yeah, we may keep at the top of our head and remember more. Um, but I've been, I've been really like, I don't know what's going on in my brain right now. So I have, I don't know if you know, but I have an 18 year old son that's getting ready to move in three days. And my whole perspective on the world is shifting a bit, I guess, on like sending this kid off into the world. Did did I do enough? And like you were talking about, even with a 10-year-old, I felt all of that when I had cancer. When I got done with my cancer treatment, they're like five and and five and three, I think, or two, two and five. And then they were, it was about a year's worth. So whatever that is. But, um, I was like, oh my gosh, I just ruined everybody's life. I didn't, I wasn't this kind of mom. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And I I should have been, you know, pre homeschooling my two-year-old. So she's ready for kindergarten the same way that my son was. And I'm terrible. And all the things that I, I laugh about now, at the time were very, very real feelings. Like I would cry. Like I was ruining my two-year-old's life. Like, I can't believe this cancer is here because now I've just screwed up her life. And then I asked her about any of that time. She's like, I don't remember any of that. (laughs) Okay. Isn't that wild? Whatever. But But I think it's such a, um, we're also as women, that's kind of, especially women, like, 35 to 50, like this whole kind of eighties, nineties teenage years, because we, it was the evolution of like, um, you don't have to be a stay at home mom, like stay at home moms are like, their job is wild. I tapped out of stay at home mom, like on week three of, of (laughs) maternity leave. I was like, this is not for me. So, but I think that was this time where it was like, oh, like women were coming into the workforce and they're getting, you know, moving up in their career. And so we grew up with this just catalyst of like, be go find your dreams, chase your dreams and do all the things and check off the boxes and be this super successful powerhouse boss babe. But then also, but don't forget to have your kid at home and don't forget to bake cookies for the bake sale. And, you know, and, and so we are just in this weird gray space. That's why I always call it the second act because it's sort of this evolution of like, we got screwed no matter what you chose. Cause yeah. even if you chose to stay home, it was like, Oh, why are you staying home? Right. Don't you want to do something for yourself? Right. And maybe that's still going on with young mothers. And I don't know, cause I'm not a young mother anymore. Um, but yeah, I think we, we do, we in kind of inherited this double-edged sword of, you have to do all the things and because you can't possibly do all the things, then we are blanketed and like shame and guilt and regret and worry because we didn't do all the things. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yet we're still trying to do all the things every single day. We're trying, we're going to do it. We're going to find balance. Yeah. Right? And it just doesn't exist. No, like, you only get so much. Yeah. Balance doesn't exist. Like, Doing one thing, you are sacrificing another thing. I am just 100% all about, there's no such thing as balance. Stop trying to find it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and I, I 1 billion percent agree with all of that. And it, it is so, I was actually just having this conversation this morning um, with my sister and we were talking about just, because she has a younger child now and she just wants to figure out not necessarily the balance, but she wants to spend more time at home and, and a little less time, you know, doing her job, but she's been doing her job for more of a full-time basis. And she's trying to pare back and there's some pushback and, and some stress about that personally, not with anyone else, but it's more of her own expectations that she put on herself. And that's exactly where I was 
when I was, even when I was at home, I was working. I I'm telling you, I would go to chemo treatment on Thursday and go to work back on Monday morning. I would take Friday off, but I'd work all day Thursday, go to chemo Thursday night. Uh, Friday I would take off and sleep. And then I'd be back at work on Monday because I was like, no, this is not disrupting my life. And I don't know that that's a real, I mean, I could do it. I felt okay. I would have stayed home if I didn't, but I, I was fine. But in my head, I'm like, I need to do all of these things. And I had a mom that stayed at home the whole time I grew up. So that was my role model was this stay at home mom. Both of my sisters at that particular period of time were stay at home moms. I was the only one working. And I would get all this like guilt and this like, well, why are you working? Why don't you just be home? Why do you have to find a babysitter? Why can't you just be home with your kid? I'm like, because I want to have this house and this stuff and the, you know, but I also want to have a life um, and not a life, but uh, like I have goals and dreams of my own. And like this, I want to have something too, because what happens a lot, like with my own mom, guess what? We all grew up and we moved away. And then she was like, Whoa, nothing what am I supposed to do. Like, what do I do now? I don't know what to do anymore. And yeah. I don't want to be like, I don't want to be so blindsided as I'm coming into this second act, so to speak, of life or third act or 25th act. I don't know. <laughs> That's exactly what's happening. And I'm like, I gotta have some, I gotta have a hobby. <laughs> I gotta yeah. do something. So well, what, and I think go ahead. No, that's okay. Go ahead. I think that's, I mean, that's one of the things I always talk to, you know, women about that come to me for coaching is it's not about having a goal. Like everybody has goals, right? Um, It's about having targeted goals that align with the priority that you're in this season of your life. So I'm always, you know, warrior forward is built on the six pillars of life. So you have like these six areas of your life that can pretty much encompass everything. But they're not, you cannot make all six the priority at the same time. And so you have to go through kind of um, an evaluation of sorts to say, okay, yes, maybe I have a goal to go back and get my degree, but where I am right now in my life, what I need to prioritize is not going back to school. And so my target, I have a goal of going back to school, but my target right now is providing financial stability and working and being there for my kids. So that's where your target is. And you can always change your target. And there it's your goals are always unfolded in there. But to just go around arbitrarily saying like, oh, but I have a goal. I think we get into that mindset of like, okay, when my daughter gets older or when I don't have cancer anymore or when I get a raise or when I get a thing, which is, you know, complete evolution of a diet culture. It's like, oh, I'll start on Monday. I'll start on New Year's. I'll start in the summer, whatever, whatever. That's the same. We have those same habitual patterns in our life where we're just, if we're only focused on a goal, we're always going to justify why it's not a good time. Yeah. If you're focused on the target that is a priority in your season right now, that's going to evolve as you evolve as a woman, as, as uh, in life. So I'm always telling people um, that are coming to me, like you can have goals. That's great, but you got to have an action plan. And just because it doesn't fit right now, doesn't mean it doesn't fit. Right. But we get caught up into like, Oh, you got to go after your goals, go for your goals. You got to meet your goals. And then that's where we end up sacrificing And time goes by and you're like, wait, what happened? Yeah. Or what do I do now? Yeah. Yeah. And so when you were younger or even like up until recently or whatever, when you started all this, were you the kind of person like I was that was very achievement oriented? Like everything was like, climb the ladder, do the things, get to the next step. And like that, that's really where I excelled. I mean, like that's, that's how I grew up, you know, not necessarily was taught that, but like, that's just how I was. I was always looking for that next goal, that next thing. Okay. Never stopping to celebrate it. Just going on to the next thing. Did you have that as well? And you kind of changed and shifted as a result of this, or did you just kind of figure out over time? I don't, you've seen people like that. I don't want to be like that. That's such a great question. I've never had anyone ask it. And I absolutely love it because, (laughs) um, I grew up, um, my mom worked, um, 
she where she got her doctorate when I was in high school, like she was that, you know, mom from the seventies that was like, I'm going to go out and do my damn thing. Um, and my dad worked also, I, I grew up, I was always in the shadow of someone else. Okay. So I had, I have an older brother. We're eight years apart. He is a very well-known musician. Um, and I grew up in this little small town in, in Ohio. And I was always, um, my last name is my maiden name was Sweeney. I was always like so-and-so Sweeney's little sister. Um, and my dad was an athlete. And so I was always John Sweeney's daughter and my mom was the academic. She was like teaching at the university. So I was, so I was always somebody else's somebody yeah. else. Yeah. So when it came to academics, when it came to the arts, when it came to athletics, I was always like trying to like break out of that. Somebody's shadow. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, ended up going into music and, but I also, I was always trying to find my way, but my brother who is older and, and just the true, like old school eighties musician, um, dropped out of college a number of times was like going to go on tour and he ended up making it and is doing very well, but being the younger sister of that in that time where he was not going in the order of the boxes. Right. <laughs> he was right. The boxes were everywhere. <laughs> there is no box. <laughs> yeah. That, that I also had this understanding in the house that like, I was going to go in order of the boxes. Like, right. the, you know, when it came to me talking about going to college, it, there was no question. It was like, right. We, no, you're going to go to college. We already have one that we right. can't straighten that keeps dropping out. Yeah. Like you're going to go to college. You have to have a degree. I mean, this was also back when that was the talk. Right. Um, like, like, so yeah, I knew that I had to have these things, um, in order and do, you know, t- hit these certain milestones, I guess, as I developed, but I also had this defiancy of, I, I, I want to do it my way. Right. Um, so I think it took me a really long time because for a long time, I just felt like I was like a poser. Like I, and you know, yeah, do all the things. And in hindsight, it probably t- took like my whole world collapsing for me to have the confidence and the nerve um, and really the desire to say like, well, I, I have nothing like, I'm going to build it back the way that I want to. And so now it's like, sure. I have degrees hanging on the wall that I don't use. Like <laughs> I had a career that I walked away from like everything is there's no boxes now, you yeah. know, yeah. um, remarried, just like all of the things that people are like, wait, what? That's yeah. not how it goes. But that I would have never done that. I would have kept doing all yeah. the right things, waiting for things to get better. Um, and living someone else's expectations of your life instead of right. finding And what was weird, similar, like outside of you're going to go to school and get a degree because that was like the 90s expectation in every, yeah. you know, many, most, I won't say every, but that's just how it was. Nobody put that on me other than, well, I guess my early experiences. Yeah. Like you, you are what you grow up around, but I don't recall anyone ever saying like, this is what you need to do. I just felt that was what I needed to do. Like that was what you were supposed to do. Um, and, and so I did, Yeah, but I, I wouldn't say, I don't know that I ever would have been truly happy. And until I learned, started learning the word no and learning that I can I can be my own savior, not like religiously, but like I can, I can be my own victor. Like I don't need to wait on something else or someone else to take care of me or to solve a problem. Like I can do it myself. And I actually love what you said earlier about the whole world had to collapse to gain confidence. And it's such a weird thing to say and hear but it's a hundred percent true. And I've said that myself. I'm like, I 
like when I lost all my hair, I'm like, I needed to be stripped of all this stuff in order to rebuild that, like down to my foundation. So I could rebuild that house the way I wanted it to be and how I wanted it to. And that's exactly what you're talking about. And it's odd that such tragedy or trauma or hard times and struggle that creates confidence. Like my, my whole, uh, you know, my newest journey is all about finding confidence after chaos. And this is, you can't have a lot of confidence if you haven't fell down. Like, yeah, you don't know what it's like to get back up. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's, and you have to, um, you have to be okay with falling down. And I think that's, that's one of my big messages, um, within the warrior forward community is that like you, you can fall down, you know, I, I call them back mat moments. Like you can hit the back mat. Don't unpack and move in there. Yes. (laughs) Yes. But you can fall down and, and there is an outlet to stand back up and keep going. Like you can pull your arrow back and reassess and start again. Like you can continue forward. You don't have to just be like, well, and, and settle like this is it. Yeah. Um, but you have to take the power and make that decision. It's no one else is going to give it to you. I can teach people and guide people, but no one's just going to knock on your door and be like, ta-da. I mean, you look at people <laughs> win the lottery all the time yeah, and they end up like in just total des- despair because they didn't have the tools. Somebody just showed up and gave them a bunch of stuff and they thought, oh my gosh, now my life is going to be perfect. Right. Or I fell in love again. My life is perfect. Right. Or, you know, I, I got this great new job. My life is going to be perfect. If you don't deal with and create systems and strategies and a mindset that is going to give you the resilience and the fortitude you need for when life happens, because let's face it, it's going to happen. All the, all the gifts in the world aren't going to, aren't going to give you what you're looking for. That is so true. So true. I feel like you're hitting on all these things that I've actually had conversations about this week, which is so weird. <laughs> like I have just been very talking about this stuff. It's very <laughs> strange. Um, so what do you think the biggest um or like most important thing that you did after you kind of fell down to kind of start to pick up those pieces and rebuild that life? Like one really key thing, or maybe it's not just one. The, I mean, I will definitely say I lean very heavily into, um, therapy. Um, I am not a therapist and I, I always tell people that come to coaching, like I can collaborate with a therapist, but my scope of practice is, you know, not therapy, but, um, I think therapy is great. Um, but the other piece of it, which is really how my coaching business evolved was, I took control of my health and wellness. I mean, I I realized how I treated my body, how I moved my body, what I fueled my body with, what I ate, what I thought, what I read, all of it was really a reflection of my self-worth. And um, I really just felt like if I want to change my life, I have to change how I'm treating myself. And that comes from this body that I'm living in. Um, and so that was the big component. Like that saved my life a hundred percent, um, was completely embodying, um, what I believe for me is an individual, the healthiest, um, life and body that I could, um, that's not going to look the same for everyone. So, you know, I, I don't, weight loss in terms of coaching, like, yeah, it may be part of what I do with a client. Um, but I am, I don't have a weight loss business. That's, you know, um, I don't believe in diets. They don't work. You need, it's a lifestyle. It's a mindset. And it really comes down to how you feel about yourself, uh, has nothing to do with, you know, size scale, Um, there's data. I mean, I'm, I, there's a science to a part of my coaching business. You can't ignore blood pressure and, you know, there's science. I believe in science, but I also believe in, you need to feel good about yourself. You need to have a body that can produce the energy that for whatever you're hoping to do that day or in that life. And that requires you to evaluate 
how you treat it. You know, how, how many hours of sleep do you get at night? Do you exercise? Do you move your body at all? What are you feeding it with? Because how, what you're putting in is what you're getting out. Yeah. Um, that was the big, the 100% number one factor in what kind of turned things around for me and really gave me more confidence than I've ever had in my life physically, um, which was astonishing mm-hmm. that I was in my late thirties and confident in a bathing suit for the first time, um, ever. And this is from somebody who's been on stage probably more times (laughs) than your average human (laughs) and somebody that was an athlete and was a swimmer growing up. I, and you know, never felt good in a bathing suit until I was in my thirties. So Yeah. And there's something about the, the confidence, the inner confidence piece, because I feel like I've even, uh, I don't know if you know, but I'm in a pageant system right now um, as a bucket list checkoff item type thing. I love it. I wanted initially to check off the bucket list. I was, I always remember like watching this pageants, uh, you know, on TV when I was a little kid on the floor, just watching these girls, like, I wish I could walk out there like that. And just, and then my twenties were kind of a mess. Uh, My early, my late teens and early twenties were the dark years. And that's a whole nother traumatic section of life. And then when I moved out of that section, I had babies. So there was never a time. So when this thing came along, I'm like, well, I'm just going to do it. What I didn't realize and what I'll, what will be discussed at the pageant, um, when they get to these questions is I didn't realize how I didn't really feel very worthy of being in that. And Uh. I didn't feel like I was good enough or pretty enough mm. or small, like enough, right? Whatever word. Yeah. You oh, enough. Ooh, it's my least favorite bird. And I know it's just, I know it's crazy. Right. And I mm-hmm. think like there's this evolution of what happens to us as we, as we fix some of these internal things, the outside seems to start to catch up. But if, sure. if we just do the outside and I just went on some crazy hardcore weight loss plan, I, you know, got Botox and my lashes and hair extensions and all the things I actually like doing, but you know, like yeah. I'm not against any of those things, by the way, but I if I just it. worried about the outside and I didn't fix anything that was in here, I would be standing up there. Like you said, as a complete poser, just going like this, like, Hey girl, Checking off the box, you checked yeah. off, like checked it off. my bucket list. Yes. yes. what happened was the exact opposite. (laughs) I did nothing. I'm like, I don't want anybody to see me like out, you know, like I am, I'm, I want to hide and go within. And I'm like freaking out. Like I don't look like these girls. I don't look, you know, I I'm not doing as much stuff as them. And and the comparison game kicks in. And until you can really start to catch yourself and go, no, not doing that, not doing that Mm -hmm. at all. And my, my curiousness comes from like, as you were talking about that, it reminded me like, what about the people that have had trauma? Um, like myself, I think that I can make this happen and do this next thing, but then my trauma starts to bubble up and I start reliving things and feelings, not really things, but feelings of when I was in a darker space of life. Yeah. What do you say to that person? That's like, I really want to make this change. And I really want to take control of my life and health but I just can't because there's something that I keep pushing down and pushing down. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I love it. I love that whole story. I'll tell you why in a moment. (laughs) Um, I, you know, like I said, it's, it's a place that you can go to. And I think you have to go to, um, in order to kind of face it and claim it and then reframe it. That's what I always say. Um, but you don't want to unpack and move back in there. And so I think if you find yourself in that space, if you have something you want to accomplish and you have something like you have a targeted goal, right? Then, and you find that you're starting to feel those feelings of limiting beliefs and doubt and just uncomfortable. It's a number one, a sign you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. It's like a sign that you need to just lean in, um, maybe with caution. Maybe you need to reach out to a coach of some type, performance coach or um, opposing coach or, you know, something so that you have some support system there. Because I think what my biggest thing that I've learned in, in kind of evolving and building this business was 
I was trying to do everything myself. Like I was all about the DIY. Like everybody's like, oh, you can Pinterest and you can Google and you can read a self-help book. And all of those are great in combination, but it may not be the custom like connection that you need. So if you are really struggling, then you go find someone that can teach you and guide you and put you on a very clear path, like with action steps and that can work through that nonsense so that you can kind of, like I said, name it, claim it, and then reframe it. You're, it's never going to go away. It's always, there's, there can always be one little thing, one little song on the radio, one smell, one event, one circumstance that can immediately trigger that feeling or that experience in life. You just need guidance and, and some support from somebody subjective and objective that can play both sides of that coin to be able to give you the tools so that you can feel it. It's there. You're triggered. And then you're like, but you know what? That's not me anymore. Like it's cool. Yeah. And, And you sort of develop an appreciation for that negative feeling. You develop a power of oh, wow, like I can get past this. This is not bothering me anymore. This is not Mm going to hold me back anymore. And I love that so much. And I told you, I loved your story because, and this is real life happening in real time. I, so the big piece of my health and wellness coming out of all of this, this darkest, darkest time was I threw myself into a bodybuilding competition. and. And I decided I had always wanted to do it. Um, I think at the time the icing on the cake, which is, was not, it was not the big picture, but I I was seeing someone and I kind of got jumped for like a younger, prettier model version. Oh, Um, yes. And so I I had this, again, this defines and like, well, I'm going to show him (laughs) like, let me the revenge body. Like, yes. (laughs) <laughs> and so I, yeah, I did. I don't, and I don't tell people, um, I don't tell people very often. I, anyone that knows me knows I still compete now yeah. um, because I, I am always like, well, I don't want to offend people. Number one, bodybuilding side note on, on the record <laughs> in real life on a podcast is not the healthiest sport. I will go out there and say it. I'm sure somebody's going to hear this, my coach, and be like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. It's just not. Yeah. It's not whether you do it natural, not natural, whatever you're doing. Yeah. If, especially for women, it's not the healthiest sport. But, you know, I mean, you could really argue that about any sport as an adult in a professional level. Um, for me, I, I love it. Um, and that was really, I, I was like, I want to do this. I want to be on stage. I want to look good. And I, it was sort of the push that led me to have to face some of my limiting beliefs. Cause you cannot go out on stage in like big sparkly glitter heels and this glittery teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny, tiny bikini with all these strangers looking at you. Despite the fact that I grew up on a stage, I was still like, I don't even like going to the beach. What am I doing? <laughs> and literally have people judge you. Yeah. Like that's why you're there. Yeah. <laughs> it could not be more disruptive. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's what I wanted. And so yeah. It was like, well, this is what I'm going to do. Like, well, and it makes you uncomfortable enough to like, just, it, it just pushes your comfort zone. I, I, to me, it just pushes my comfort zone out just a little bit further. Like I, if I can get through this and I can do this and I, you, I can do the best that I possibly can, um, and still not die at the end of this, then I'm doing all right. And so maybe the next time it yeah. would be a little bit easier and then a little bit easier and that's where confidence and is. It built. is. It's a hundred percent. I like. I just wrote on my blog about this recently, and I was talking about fear. You have to get to a place of being uncomfortable long enough that it becomes comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go to the next level of yeah. uncomfortable. Um, not unsafe. Right. Which I am very clear about with with women that I work with or that I'm speaking to because. 
people are like, oh, you just have to be uncomfortable. If you're feeling unsafe, that's very different than feeling uncomfortable. Um, but you have to be able to get uncomfortable long enough for it to be comfortable because that's your healing process. Right. Right. You know, people retreat because they're afraid. It's that like fight or flight syndrome. And so when we get to a place where we're scared, we back up. Yeah. And we're and we go back to what works for us, even if we know and can say out loud it's self-sabotaging behavior, it's not helpful, or this is not what I want to do with my life. You know, that's the hamster wheel cycle because it's safe. As dysfunctional as it is, that's what we know. Yeah. And so it's safe. Yeah. And so being um being in a place of uncomfortable um feelings, thoughts, beliefs is creating a new sense of safety. Yeah. It's what I think it's just, it's so scary to go to a place and not know, like, what if I do succeed at this? Yeah. You know how many people that I worked with over the years and, and talked to over the years. And I, I've always been a coach in some way, shape or form. I was a personal trainer for a long time. And there's another industry that is really tough as, as you know. Yeah. And I, I don't, I remember when I would gain weight because I was giving too much of my time to everybody else and not taking care of myself. I was giving all my 5 a.m. spots to the people that wanted to, you know, pay the money and that's when they wanted to do it. And then I was exhausted by the end of the day and I had kids and, you know, and so I would not eat the best or not work out. And then the first, uh, thing that somebody said to me on my day one at the gym as a personal trainer, um, was, well, I hope you don't put on any weight because nobody wants a fat trainer. And that yeah. like stuck in my head forever and gave me the biggest complex. I didn't realize it was even a complex. Like I would gain weight because I was really busy. And then yeah. guess what? I stopped taking clients. I'd kind of like, oh, I'm really busy. I'm t- I'm too, you know, I can't have any more people. And I get down, I dwindle down to a couple people. I'd work on myself and I go back in it. And I could not see that that was even a pattern until mm-hmm. afterwards. I'm like, oh my gosh. I am scared to death to do well because when I'm doing well, I'm not, and, and that there's that priority thing that you were talking about. I mean, they, there yeah. was so much wrong with that situation, but um, luckily I learned the very, very hard way that that is not, not all. the great place to live. <laughs> but that's what I love about, that's kind of like the, the ethos of, of my mission and community is that you can learn the hard way and there's still time. Like that's the whole second act. It's like, Oh, well, shoot. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I- it doesn't mean it has to be the defining chapter. It doesn't have to be the end of your book. A hundred percent. You know, you when, can write a whole series. Yes. <laughs> when did people say that after 40, you can't do anything anymore? Because that's oh. what I felt like was the case. Like after I turned 40, I'm like, well, I, I definitely can't do that. I definitely, oh my gosh, what are they going to say if I join this? Or what are they going to say if I, you know, like they're going to laugh at me if I say I'm going to be in a pageant or a bodybuilding contest at this age, you know, like why not? I know people that have went back and got completely different educational degrees. I know people that are 40 years old that are doing all or 50 or 60 or, or whatever. It doesn't matter that piece of it. It's, it's literally taking a chance. It's having a little bit of com- like, maybe you don't even have the confidence when you say yes, <laughs> you just go, well, 99% of the time you don't. Nope. Nope. I'm just going to, I only need one second of courage. I say to do anything. And if I take that one second of courage and do it, the rest will just fall into place and I'll be more confident and better at the end because of it. Yeah. I love that one second of courage for the 1%. That's it. Don't don't do it. But I think that the great thing is that not only knowing, um, you know, age doesn't matter, you know, and all of that, but knowing that if you want to break a cycle, if you want to change the way that your life is, then you have the power to do it. You may need someone to guide you. You may need someone to give you some direction because it's like living it's like pig pen in the peanuts, you know, he's always got this swirl of like dust around him. And so even if he wanted to get out of the dust, he wouldn't be able to find his way. He would need someone to like reach in and grab his hand or give him some direction or something like you, you may need someone to help guide you out and help you build that confidence and help you build that sense of self-worth 
And security, I think as women, we are constantly looking for, oh my God, like we just want to feel secure and stable. (laughs) Who wants to be just hanging out there, not feeling safe? Um, But it's possible if you want to do it. You don't, we don't have to live the rat race of life. Yeah. Why do you think we get caught up in that hustle culture? Like, why do you think that that happens to all of us, not just women, but like to all of us, why do we feel this need to be ahead of everybody else all the time? I think I, a few things. Um, I think number one, it just because it's all about habits, your life and your day to day is based and built around habits, whether they're healthy, not healthy, helpful, or unhelpful, they're habits from the moment you open your eyes, how you get out of bed is a habit. Like you probably get out of bed the same way. You probably take your shower the same way. So everything is a habit. And I think if you get into a habit of just surviving, doing whatever you can to survive for as long as you can, um, you, you, it's hard to see your way out of that. And habits take a long time. And I think we have a tendency, we live in this microwave generation and time of, we want so many things right now. Yeah. And so when we want to make change, typically what I find when, when women come to me is they've either trying, they're trying to do it by themselves, which means they're probably trying to do too many things too fast, too soon. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to get a job and I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to do the things I'm going to save money. And I'm going to say, you know, like without a clear sense of what their unique needs and lifestyle is like. Um, Because they all have to go together. It doesn't matter if you want to lose weight or not. If if you have kids at home that are small, you can't go to the gym by yourself at five in the morning. Right. No more discussion there. That's your lifestyle. So you have to build things into your lifestyle. The other thing is that I think we have, we're so busy trying to hide our reality um, that we tend to sort of lose our sense of awareness around it. Like we're so busy trying to convince everyone that we have it all together and that we're fine and that we can do it. And, you know, sure, we may break down with a close friend once in a while, but we're posting and we're on the internet and we're, you know, we have filters now and just all of these things. We're so busy trying to make sure everyone knows because we don't want to be the weak woman or even the weak human. Like we don't want to be the weakest link. that sometimes we forget and we actually lose sight of what is really going on. We really believe in our minds that we are doing okay. That, or we believe this false narrative that like, we just have to get over this X, Y, Z space and then ABC will happen. Yeah. Two things. Do you think that social media is a huge part of that? Um, uh, like, that need to post that perfect picture of our life. And if we don't, it's usually some kind of rant and then nobody wants to listen to you anyway, because you're just ranting about something. Um, and part two, do you think that the, the great pandemic in 2020 and then some changed the way that we operate in the world in that sense, yeah. in our, in yes. our personal Yes life. and yes and no. All the, all the feelings. Okay. okay. So many feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's interesting. Um, there was a time not that long ago and, and genuinely maybe a couple of months where I would have thought um, or 100% believed and said, yes, social media has altered everything because everyone wants this like perfect curation of their life. And I believed that even as a business owner um, five years ago, you know, I sat in with coaches, very successful coaches and and they were like, oh, you have to do like picture, quote, picture, and everything has to be the same color. And I mean, it was just all perfect, perfect, perfect. And and then filters kind of came in and everybody wanted, you know, the perfect picture and the perfect, then it became the perfect, you know, copy. And then it was the perfect re, like it was just everything was perfect. What I have found recently Um, And it actually started as a dare because I love a good dare. I never turn one down (laughs) Um, was that people are tired of that. Yeah. And there is a deep, um, a deep desire, whether we're talking about it or not, to connect with real 
people and not necessarily, I want to become friends with so-and-so on Instagram, but to just have a real feed. Um, Because the reality is everybody's sitting around with a little bit of a hot mess of a life. Like it's all a crap show. Like everybody has some area of their life. One of those pillars in life that is a hot, it's just a dumpster fire that they're trying to fix. My definition of what that looks like is going to be very different than somebody else's. What's trauma to me is going to be different than somebody else's. What's success to me is going to be defined differently. But everybody's dealing with something. And I think what has happened is that now people are sitting there thinking, am I the only one? Am I the only one struggling right now? Because all I'm seeing on the internet is perfection. And so what I have found is when my most popular views or reels or whatever you call them, because I'm that's, I mean, it's weird. I don't like it, but I have a business online. Um, are literally me just being my normal self. Yeah. Like telling a hot mess story about my kids or dancing in the kitchen in my pajamas. Or, I mean, it's like a peek into my real, real life. Yeah. And people are craving that. They're like, oh my gosh, like that is hysterical. And oh, my kids do that too. And oh my gosh, my husband does that. It's so annoying. And so like, you know, they're connecting. So I, my perception of it has changed. Having said that to the second part of your question, I think COVID um, and the pandemic has completely, completely thrown a wrench in so many areas um, of health and wellness specifically. Yeah. Um, but because I work with women, I, I have compassion um, because they were the ones that were most of the time, not all of the time, but suddenly you're homeschooling, your kids are at home and you're trying to work from home and you're trying to do all the things and you're still trying to cook dinner and the dogs are barking. And you're when, if you were working out of the home, you got up and you went to work and you're now trying to navigate all of these things. And again, you've developed habits now for the last two years that served you in that time and helped you survive, but they are not helpful in the life that you want to live. They are no longer serving you, but you're holding on to them because they're habits. Yeah. Um, And then I think additionally, we have gotten into the habit of living in our little box of, of being safe. Like there's been this fear instilled in us naturally at the time. It was like, don't go out, like wear a mask, all the things. But now it's just become a habit. You know, I, I will, I always give this example. I order my groceries. Um, there's no reason for me to order my groceries anymore. <laughs> I do too. I don't, I don't want to go like, to the store. <laughs> it, I mean, it's, it, it's so ridiculous. No, I hate, I hate going there. There's so, there's too many people there. No, I just don't you like know what it. I mean. But can you imagine three years ago, if somebody was like, order your groceries, you'd be like, what are you talking What are you, about? some bougie chick or what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not paying seven extra dollars <laughs> just to have my groceries delivered. Like that's such a, I, and yeah. yeah, it was, I would have thought it was, I would have completely laughed and I would have, I would have also been like, that's not me. I, like that's not even... I don't want to order my groceries, but I would have felt like, well, we can't afford that. Right. I don't, I don't, that's not the lifestyle I'm living without yeah. even ever. Like I would have made the judgment that, that I wasn't good enough to have my groceries delivered without knowing anything about how much it costs to have groceries delivered. Yeah. Now to check myself, I don't need to have groceries delivered if I want them delivered fine, but it's also like, just go to the grocery store. Right. right. You know, it's a habit that is unnecessary. It's well, that, that also goes with your priorities. If your priorities for this particular month are, I need to like buckle down in my business and bring in X number of dollars. So that's really everything in my day has to kind of revolve around that and everything else gets dispersed after. <laughs> then you may need to do that because you've got to keep your head down and work. But if in another season right. where you don't have that, I feel like there's lots of ebbs and flows in the, um, in that priority list, like you were talking about before. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we feel like 
we can't put something on the priority list like our self-care or work and finances because that's important too, because we feel like our kids have to be number one priority. That is it. Everything else goes underneath it. And it doesn't mean that we don't feel like they are the most important, but most important doesn't always mean priority of this particular moment of life. I feel like. Right. 100%. So one of the, one of the pillars that I talk about a lot is um, it's the relationship pillar. And so I consider your kids, that's part of your relationship. And a lot of they, you know, they overlap. They're also a part of my, you know, finance pillar because they cost money. You know, there's, there's overlap there, but if relationships is not a priority at this time in my life, it doesn't mean I'm never talking to my kids. Right. It just, it may mean that, no, we're not going to go to the park every single day. We may go three times a week or no, we're not doing, you know, it's having that, that awareness that I can't give all of myself to that, but then also giving myself permission that it's okay. And I don't need to feel bad about it. Yeah. And I think that's huge. I love that too. As your kids go through, I don't know what ages your kids are now, but mine are in the last stages of their uh, time with me, so to speak. And so me 10 years ago was very, very different. Like the amount of work I could do, what type of work I could do. Um, They didn't really do a lot of remote work unless you were just working from home anyway, because I mean, that wasn't really that as big of a thing as it is now. But I just remember like always wanting to have a job, but it had to be a job that fit around their kids' schedules. And then these guys have to nap or this kid has to go to basketball practice. Mm-hmm. And then as I've shifted into a new realm of like, well, I've one moving away. And then the other one is um, almost driving, you know, so there's a lot less need of me. So I'm finding myself able to, oh, I can put this back into the the yeah. list of things I can do again. And, and in a few years from now, I will have nothing but time. So I might yeah. be able to go travel and do events and things like that. Like I've always wanted to do, but I couldn't before. And so I think what people need to realize is we're not stuck in one space. It's just, if, if, if you don't like where you're at right now, just wait six months. You'll probably be doing something else because we know, change, right? we evolve. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's a thin line between, um, always putting stuff off and recognizing that there's priorities. Yes. Um, and, and, and it's a thin line that again, everything comes back to your unique lifestyle, your unique targeted goals, your unique um, desires for what you want your dreamy life to be like. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy and perfect, but that's just, it's the life you love to live yeah. as opposed to trying to love the life you're living. Yes. And um, my kids are almost 17 and 10. Um, So there's a a gap there. I have one who thinks she's 25 and the other one sometimes thinks he's four. Um, (laughs) Oh, I can relate. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. And again, like you're absolutely right. Like they're going through their own seasons and um but I think what's important, what I what I tell women when I'm working with them or I'm speaking is, especially if they're moms, obviously, if they're if they're mothers, you're more than just a mom. Yeah. And you're allowed to be more than just a mom. Um, you had life and a dream and goals. And even I wanted to be a mom my whole life, but I had other things I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And you're allowed to want those things and you're allowed to pursue those things. Um, and it doesn't have to be misery. Yeah. And, and like I you know, sometimes you go through seasons in life. I did not have a choice. I had to work. I had no other support. Um, and a lot of women are in, in that position. And so it's also about, about forgiving yourself for what you can't control. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't control it. Was I always my best self? No, I can, will never be the woman that said I, I put my kids first all the time. I, I did not. I could not because in my kids' eyes at the time, in my daughter's eyes, putting her first would have meant, um, you know, spending all this quality time playing Barbies with her, doing puzzles with her and all of these things. When I was like, we need to put on a movie. I need to take a nap. I just worked 50 hours. Yeah. Like, did I put her first in the immediate picture? No, 
I didn't, but I did what I had to do. Right. And, and that, that's really, I think the, the key in all of that is sometimes we do the best we can with what we have. And that's, that's just. And the information you have at the time. Mm -hmm. And when you learn something new, guess what? You get to level up. (laughs) Yeah. You don't know this. Guess what? You get to be in another level now, (laughs) you know, like that's, that's a great thing. I, and I feel like that directly ties back to what we talked about at the very, very beginning. Our world collapsing gives us confidence. I think that's why as we get um, later in our mom years, like now I'm like, Ooh, yeah. Oh yeah. That mom thing. That wasn't too bad, but I just thought about it. It's like, whatever. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, that wasn't so bad. Let's do it again. No. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, I think it's also realizing that, um, like I said, you're, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah. Um, I was not the mom that went to mom's groups, play dates. I was like, that no. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't have time. Yeah. Uh, so I was always kind of judged for that, you know, like, oh, you're not going to mops. I was like, I don't even know what mops is. Like, do you do we clean with them? Like, I remember <laughs> I was so clueless because I I don't want to clean anybody like, else's house. I have to clean my own. I don't not do it. Yeah. That. I was like, what is mops? Like I don't have time. And and now I speak at mops events. Yeah. Um, but I I genuinely at the time I was like going to work. Uh, with no money trying to figure out, okay, well I have to get home and I need gas and I don't have any money. So where am I going to get $5 to get home and get my kit? Like I didn't have the brain capacity to think like, Oh, it's Wednesday. Let's go bond with other moms of preschoolers. And I felt so bad about it. And then I kind of was like, well, I don't even have time to feel bad about this. Right. Well, and that's, that's, that's true. 100% survival mode. And my, my first 15 years of career was family services and working with at-risk youth and parents or kids and parents. And, and part of that was learning about that survival mode that many times, um, families easily can get into. I mean, like one pandemic threw half the world into survival mode. I mean, I lost my business personally, lost my entire life savings, lost everything, Um, one of us, I did. And then my husband luckily was working through the whole thing. So, I mean, you, everybody has gone through that survival mode period of life, but when you're in survival mode, you can't think past 10 minutes from now, let alone plan my life and goals and dreams and hopes and all those Mm -hmm. things. It's like, I've got to pick up the first piece that I can see in front of me that I can handle and I can control today. And maybe that's what I'm eating. Maybe that's my health. Maybe that's fitness. Maybe that is, um, you know, my work, whatever that is for you, pick up the first piece and just start moving. That's how we, we start building that, that stuff, um, back up again after we've kind of fell on the floor, I think. Yeah. You just like warrior forward. Just yeah, hundred percent. Second, one hour, one month at a time. Just yep. you just keep going, and you embrace the moment that you've decided. I don't want to do. Th- there has to be a better way, mm-hmm. and I'm ready to do it better. But you have to be in that headspace. Like you have to be ready for that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because you can't walk into a hard season or a traumatic season and and literally you've lost everything and think like, well, I'm going to do this the best way possible. Right. <laughs> like, right. It's We all want to believe that it's just, that's just not going to happen. Um, but there, there comes a time I think in every woman's life, especially as she gets older, where she, you can sort of, you have those moments where you look in the mirror and you're like, is this it? And the answer is no. It does not have to be right. Like this does not have to be all there is. Yeah. There's so much more that you're worthy of. And sometimes, like I said, we, you just need a guide to give you some direction. Yep. And the one second of courage. <laughs> yeah. And the community to support you, which yep. is what I've tried to build. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love everything that we have. To, I mean, we're so ridiculously aligned. It's so awesome. I know. I'm so glad we found each other. I know me too. Um, so where can these guys find you to hear about the warrior forward wellness programs that you have available? Yeah. So super easy. You go to warriorforward.com. Um, 
and there's a ton of stuff. There's programs, but the easiest thing is you hit newsletters and sign up. There's a weekly newsletter that comes out with like tips and tricks and um, that'll link you to the private Facebook group, which I have kind of a mini course every Monday live. Um, so there's a lot of resources out there people can enjoy and become a part of the community piece of Warrior Forward without actually needing or wanting, you know, coaching services, whether you do or you don't, whether that's the season you're in, you can be part of the community. It's first and foremost, a community of just really strong women that are just tired of surviving and they're ready to just do different. So that's the easiest way is um, head over to the website and, and get in the community. I love it. I love it. I love it. The girl gang. gang. You, you are amazing. And I'm so grateful that you were um, here today to chat. And uh, this show is always talking about taking more from your struggles than it takes um, from you. And you are another prime example of that. Um, And I love that. So I appreciate you and, um, and thankful that you are here with us today. Ah, thank you. It's been just, it's been my honor, honestly, it's an honor and a privilege. And I'm so, I'm grateful for your time and for you having me on. I I love it. And I can't wait to see where we go from here. Yes, I can't either. Um, Any final words for these lovely survivors out there? See, when I call them survivors, it's like a good thing on this particular thing. <laughs> hey, no judgment. Um, you can call you can call yourself whatever you want as long as you keep. This calling. is like thrivers. I think I should call them thrivers, but I feel like other people use that, so that's why I kind of just stuck with the thing. But it's like warriors, survivors. It's it's the whole it's a whole mentality. Oops. I mean, you can't have one without the other. No, you so really can't. No, nope. they they all go together, and and I think I would just say, just keep going, keep moving forward and and reach out for help. Like find, find your tribe and love them hard and reach out and somebody's going to have a resource for you. So yeah, quit the DIY. (laughs) Yes. People, we need human connection more than anything right now. We Mm, need human connection. So So go out and get your human connection with Kim and the warrior forward group. So all are welcome. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys so much uh, for being here today and listening to our show. And until next time, have a fantastic day. If you'd like to learn more about what we're doing over at Holly Boys Fitness, please visit the website www.hollyboyce.com. And you can sign up for a free weekly newsletter with fitness, food, and fun and mindset tips every single week right to your email inbox. And guess what? Because you would be a part of the VIP squad, you will have first access at all amazing new programs and new things that I'm doing. I would love to have you join me on any social media site. And again, I'll see you next time.